Hi, this is Rosalind Darby again for February, and we are very fortunate to have local here, Anna Colville-Smith. Hi, Anna. Good morning. How are you? Very good, and thank you for coming on. And, um, well, as I said last month, it was all about a very small space. It was in a person's very small kitchen, and we went all over the world in this one kitchen. But we've gone to the other extreme now, and we're working with your previous working life, which was in the Great Gold Coast with very large-scale retail development design. Yes, very, very much so. But I guess I, I, I'm not from the architecture background side. Like, I, you know, I, I'm a marketing and communications specialist that um, I've been really lucky in my career to uh, work for four different property development companies that all own large-scale retail in terms of shopping centres. So, yeah, mm-hmm. across New Zealand and Australia. So you went in as a like qualified marketing consultant, marketing basis, but that, but you were predominantly within retail, and so that's development. So you're in there understanding from a marketing point of view what retail experience, like the experiential side for the consumer and the pedestrian and the public, is what makes those big commercial things work. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I went in with my, you know, started my career, I have a marketing and economics degree, but I've worked for property companies, so they own large-scale properties. So I guess it was understanding the communications and how that operates and how you run a large-scale asset like a shopping centre or a food and dining precinct. Um, And, yeah, I guess it was our job to activate those places and spaces and tell stories about them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that the... I love that word, activate. I mean, you've already been doing it but we're now just starting to use it when we talk about spaces here how do we activate them obviously you've had very familiar with it yeah I guess you know in my journey we were were all being about creating this hub where people want to come and engage um, in the common mall space of a shopping environment which is a privately owned space but in my mind it's a public space where anyone can walk in and and Mm. do what they want meet their grandmother have a shopping experience and I guess it's all about sensory and experiential experiences a lot of what we did in um, especially in Australia in the larger scale developments where it was what was the smell and the sounds and the visual of that place and how people interacted in those retail spaces. Yeah, that's, that's so. So, was this your kind of take on it? I mean, did you introduce these concepts to these developers? Um, no. So, I feel like I was lucky enough to work for a really progressive um, global real estate company in Australia, where I was introduced as a marketer to the concept of placemaking as a way of doing a better job of activating our um, places. Mm-hmm. And you know, we. We sort of had a, a key performance indicator that we had to deliver um, for our shopping precincts dollars per square metre, but that shifted to delivering wonder or magic per square metre and how that asset delivered for the community. And in turn, the retailers performed better, you know. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. a, a win-win scenario, so coming up with those, the things that the community really liked to come to the space for and they got to engage with the amazing retail and services on offer as well at that place. So if you're activating the space and you're talking about it, what, wonder and magic per square metre or something? Is, yeah. that, is that what it was? Yeah. Then, um, of course, the retailers are going to do well because the place is activated and pe- public go where there is action. You create activity Definitely. and it creates more activity. Yeah. And then people start to think. And then the, and then the public also feels to, they hadn't thought of buying that sort of dress before, but because they're sort of motivated – Oh, I could wear that dress. And that's changing for them as well. So it's making change for people's lives. Absolutely. And I mean, the types of things we looked at to deliver that magic and wonder was, you know, um, fun seating zones, music, art, pop-up activations, um, 
play spaces that were flexible and could move around and be in the right space so that families who were out shopping had, you know, a space to sort of stop and then continue on their journey and just mm, creating zones in the public area where people could sit down, catch up, look at something, enjoy themselves. Yeah, yeah. And so this whole idea of a journey that they're going on this Definitely. So, I mean, we were very much looking at, you know, customer experience and following that journey, like you say, I guess CX is mapping the customer journey throughout the the experience. And that's from... Is that pre-design, is that pre-development or is that once you see them doing what they're doing? I think it's it's funny with retail developments is that I don't think, you know, I saw the plans, the architects had done the plans for, say, a new fashion precinct was opening in a shopping centre and we knew that X, Y and Z was going to be leased to such and such and this was the layout and this was in our minds how the traffic was going to work through this building and the key entry points and parking and all of that. Mm-hmm. But we find, we always found in developments, and it's anything, is that once you open something to the public, it never quite works the same as what it what you think on the the plans, mm-hmm. you know, the, the flow and the way people move through um, a town centre or a shopping centre is always a little bit different. And then there's things that we need to try and change and evolve, which is sometimes my job to pop something up down that end that's okay. going to create space for someone to sit down because it's a long journey from the car park to retailer X. Um, so, yeah. Okay, so like once it's it's post-evaluation. Once it's built, you start to realise how they really are moving through. Yeah, I think and then it's you hard have to, to go map. in and do something new. Okay. It's hard to map. Um, you know, you can do all that in your plans and think how how are people going to respo- respond. But until you've done the research and you can see how people are responding, it's it's quite hard to understand how people are going to use the space. And it's probably what you find as an architect as yeah. well, and how things change than what you originally thought in those in that design process. Yes, that's right. And is that really rewarding? Is it enjoyable when you when you do invo- you're just seeing what people are doing and 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 how they're responding and w- whether you can actually assist in that journey? Yeah, I well, I think it is. I love people watching as well. And it, I mean, I've worked in um, big shopping centres on the floor for over fifteen years, so um, I've walked around a lot and sat and just seen how, how cool. people engage in that. Um, so it's nice to see when you've popped up um, a little play space that's a small thing that can be moved around as well because sometimes you need things in different spots and it's about being flexible um seeing someone just relaxing or feeding their baby and then you know able to go and do the rest of their shopping and things like that so it's it's really people folk and it's obviously it's kpis it's getting a building built but it's also you're getting that sense of how the people are experiencing it and enjoying that. Yeah, well, I think our my role is, in, you know, in terms of an experience, a brand experience manager is to, like you say, it's people at the heart. It's those people that make that brand and asset what it is. So it's it's certainly very people-centric. That's wonderful. And would you consider you you would your work in this area be kind of a bit more vital and some other I mean that sounds pretty amazing I didn't know all that went on well I didn't before I worked in a shopping center I thought they just ran themselves to be honest I I never even thought about all of the parts that went on to creating that little hub in terms of the operations and security yeah communications and marketing and you know customer service and car parking and you know so there's a lot of different elements um and I thought I got to do the best part yes you did (laughs) in terms of activations and the fun things and bringing culture and people and culture and design 
and what's yep. going on at ground level in terms of how that can allow a person to sort of spot it and want to gravitate to that thing and have, a, have an experience. Yeah, and, you know, we'd, we'd get to help them with projects that were like, say, in upgrading the parents' rooms, you know, that, that would be something that I really loved and we'd look at the de- decor and the artwork in there and work out how we could create a better space to level up that, that place, you know. So Elevate it. Was, it. So... so you're doing it, or do you bring in do you bring in designers to yeah, help you? Yeah, designers. Or do you do I it? mean, obviously, luckily, you know, lucky in, the, in those big companies, there's internal designers, there's external designers, there's architects, there's big budgets, you know. Yeah. So there's all of those things, but it's I guess it was my job to make sure that it aligned with the brand story. That How wonderful! What was, what was coming in, you know, if we were doing upgrading, I'd get to see what the designers were putting forward, and then can we bring something in that's more about the community or yeah. Okay. Understanding that you're really connected to the community. And you, you've brought a lot of this back, even though coming back was a big shock because you were working on these big multi, like mega. 400 retailers. 400 <laughs> oh retailers. Yeah. And so, that, so, that, so that's sort of like the detail you described to me of coming back to, um, what's the place called in Lower Hutt? The big oh, mall? Queensgate. Queensgate. Yep. And you just bringing all that knowledge, but just sort of like there was a place there that you could actually activate, the library and things like that. So it's the same. Yeah. It's, it's just another space that you're that you're making a better experience for people here in Lower Hutt. Yeah. So, yeah, when we returned to New Zealand, I was fortunate enough to um, work for Stride Property um, and lead the marketing team at Queensgate. And, you know, there was a lot of there's development works going on there for the car park and cinema. But, um, you know, we had some free spaces that were just doing nothing. Hoardings up, which are just a big you know, blank wall, no, and cutting off flow and things like that. Yeah. So, yeah, one of the placemaking principles that I used was to activate a community library um, at Queensgate, which is still there at the moment, and it's still a well-used little space. And the public response to that was, I mean, we didn't, that was a low-budget project um, where we engaged a local artist um, to do a piece which actually represented all of the local architecture around the hut. As a mural? As a mural, as a, a large-scale mural. I so it's bringing the concept of place in, in an abstract way so that the people who live there can sort of identify yeah. with that place immediately. Yeah, and Queensgate was one of the architectural pieces in there and then there were local churches and the library and, you know, different architecture she drew in that. But it was just some beautiful seating and then the customers donated all of the books to us. Like we thought, we just did a call out to our customers and said, "Look, we've set up this community library space. The people who we, shop there, yeah, okay. We need the books, okay. And then it's just you know, give a book, leave a book, take a book. Wonderful. There's some signage on the wall, and we um. Also I think people wouldn't really um, relate Queensgate to something like that. You know, the assumptions we make about a com- about a shopping centre. It's just a whole new kind of like turning around a whole new little corner, like literally. Yeah, I think that it was important in those commercial spaces to bring in those community elements. Um, And, you know, they do have a place in the heart and soul of the city, even though they're perceived as a um, big shopping centre. Yeah, yeah, because people people want to go and be with people. And so it's obviously a a a very important part of it is to understand that that yeah, experience is part of as a joy in people's day to day lives. I mean, they're sort of looking to go somewhere where people are. 
Yeah, and also they have a platform, I think. You know, shopping centres have a platform. So with that project, we aligned with a local charity called the Storytime Foundation, which was trying to increase um, investment in the hut area to get um, books into um, lower decile homes. So we aligned with them to also uh, raise money for them and also help tell their story about what the Storytime Foundation did through that community library hub and we had brochures up and then we raised funds for them and so they could buy extra books and you know it just it's amazing it's wonderful yeah so all that big kind of work you did in cold coast you can sort of bring it back here in all these sort of different ways and and yeah it's just transitioning from from there to here so um is there kind of like a job description when, when, when they're building malls all over the world? Do they know that this is what they want or did you kind of like develop this? Do they know, oh, we've got to have this person to do this. We know we need it. Or was it sort of like a developing kind of I concept? I feel like it's always been a role, but it's changed um, over time. So I feel like, you know, they always know which roles they need. And, I mean, the, the big developers are amazing at, at, at knowing what needs to be done and when. Mm. Um, mm. But... You know, there's always been a marketing manager or something like that, but it's shifted from being a marketing manager to being an experience manager, or a, you know, mm. it's it's. So they know where they're going with the with the future of retail. They know what they need. They're sort of constantly looking yeah, at that. They're always investing in research and trying to understand consumer needs for the future and what people will need in these places and and how they operate. So I feel like they are well, you know, well educated on. Yeah, and what's really neat is that because how I met you is that I was coming across this organisation called Placemaker Making Aotearoa and I said is there anyone that I can, any people down here in the Kapiti who are involved and they mentioned you so you know from this big kind of, this developer kind of world that um, some of us have you know, not much reference to, to actually you being able to now bring you're now working at, a sort of, at this level of well, bringing that idea of community experience in, in, re, in public space yeah, I'm certainly, you know, um, advocating for um, placemaking principles in public spaces, and that's when I got involved with placemaking Aotearoa as a volunteer to um, bring the Kumara Awards to life um, last year for the Greater Wellington Region, which was basically just celebrating um, amazing projects in placemaking, big, small, whether they were council-led or developer-led or community-led. Um, we wanted to recognise some of the cool things happening, and so I guess, yeah, I know how some of those things can work um in a larger scale space okay. but you can anything scalable you can just you know make it work wherever you are so what so with with Kuma awards were you like doing the publicity of it or the ma- ma- the marketing of it yep so a bit of so i worked in collaboration with the lower hut city council on that project and also catalyze in auckland um so we we worked out how they were going to operate like logistics of how these like awards the, the were going to operate and how they judging okay. call for nominations oh and then we did the also marketing and pr of of all of that and then trying to communicate out and onboard projects like we had some really cool um projects with wellington nominated for the Kumara Awards, which was um, Common Unity in the hut, um, the Vogelmorn Precinct, which is in Wellington, which is kind of, it used to be an old bowling club that the community sort of purchased and have repurposed as this multi-use community space, which is restaurant, yoga studio, co-working. Um, Vogel Vogelmorn Precinct. 
um, and a very cool person operating that. And then one of my favourite projects that won an award for Greater Wellington Region was the Nainai Bike Box. Um, and in Nainai they set up these, this shipping container and it was called the Bike Box and they had some issues with equity and um, public transport and biking so they set it up where people could come and get their bike repaired for free learn about how to use their bike and they also gave away some free bikes to help with the new you know transport through there and activated the town center as well which was um struggling a bit so that was a cool project that in in Nainai in Nainai I'm so that you're a bit, little bit familiar with the Nainai shopping center through through oh, I'm not personally you, but, only through but that but you knew nomination that was there. Through, yeah yeah because yep. not yeah okay Plushka designed it by the way <laughs> Um, if anybody knows who Plushka is. Um, yeah, so you would have had, because I was just reading up about the placemaking mm-hmm. awards, and New Coomer Awards, and, you know, they had these panels of judges for Wellington, yep. Auckland. Auckland and so you're having to understand the logistics yep. of how many entries you might want to have as a max yep. and a sort of cross-section of different things and the judges and... Yeah, we onboarded the judges, and oh, like okay. a diverse range of judges. You had and to then contact we all those briefed, different individuals. We from briefed all... them on the project, oh. and then they had certain criteria for judging um, that. So, yeah, it was um, So really... who decides how to make the criteria? We worked, that was led at, sort of out of Auckland with Catalyze, but we all worked as a committee, you know. It was just working together. And this was voluntary? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, so that was voluntary with placemaking Aotearoa, and then, yeah, I think we'll be working towards delivering that again um, come October yeah. 2022. And I think more people will know more about pla- – more and more people was, know more about placemaking. It was about people understanding what, what placemaking is, and um, I have a definition in my mind. Everyone has a different different definition of placemaking, which I think is really cool personally, mm-hmm. but in my mind it's, it's, it's activating a public place for the health and wellness of the community. That's the simple definition um but I actually would I'd love to share something that um I was about to do a social media post on my business channels and um about placemaking and this was a quote from I don't know if you know um Fred Kent he's the founder of Project for Public Spaces which comes out of the states but he he said true placemaking is not just about the creation of places where we want to go and spend our time it's about creating communities that have a greater capacity to self-organize to pilot their own destinies, to express out, outrage, solidarity or celebration, to exchange and innovate and incubate new ideas. And I feel like that sums it up. That's incredible. <laughs> I don't think many people, listeners would have thought, well, someone involved in big shopping centres in Gold Coast would have a grip <laughs> on this kind of thought process. Oh, I feel like I was lucky because I was trained so well over there. You know, I was lucky to have the best people that were coming from London, you know, yeah. to train to train us on new ways of thinking and, and innovative agencies, you know. Okay. And also... Because I totally... And big budgets. Sort of... But I, I am probably someone that you... I'm a heart person that, you you know, you need to think about the community and what they need and what they need in the future and how they can take ownership of a space, which yeah. it's easy to do placemaking where it's led by... Um, the corporate or council lead something happening, you know, down here in Mahara Place. But it's how do you get it then community-led and yeah. create... I think there's an incredible, almost like a social science. It's a really interesting... I wouldn't want to put it in the Department of Discipline because it's almost too subtle for that. Yeah. But it's really the core of it. Is that sort of... It's like political, it's social, it's, it's, it's sort of therapeutic, all those things. But if you've... 
if you obviously had experience at the bigger scale, but you know the sort of, by that quote there, you know the politics of it, and threading that through from the start, that's pretty much what we're also passionate about placemaking because we're all trying to touch on that actual impulse yeah. or, or sort of that kind of um, initiative. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And being able to name it is great, and then being able to activate is, 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 is the next level, isn't it, sort of? Yeah, and I think it's fine that everyone has their own definition of it, and that's that's great as well because we've all got different ideas, and it's um, yeah, being able to bring those to life in in a place or space. So I that, I love that part of my job in the past where I actually see something happen, like something comes to life on the floor, something physical, and I see how people are using the space or the zone we've set up. Or yeah, that's so exciting. Mm. And and was it? A hard transition to come leave that to come here, or it's just a different time of. But you're obviously you're obviously readjusting in a different way. Yeah, I guess um, I absolutely am grateful for my corporate career of 15 years working for big <laughs> property owners and shopping centres. But um, starting my own um, marketing consultancy two years ago was a good a good lifestyle change, and I guess that's allowed me to volunteer my time in areas that I'm passionate about, and also work. Um, I still work with property clients where I can implement, you know, some things that um, make great places. I worked with um, Autaki Yard, so in developing that site in Autaki, which was an old petrol station. So I worked with the owners there to bring that to life to kind of make a community hub and markets and, and activate that space on the main highway that was just a big waste of, you know, nothing happening, no vibe. Yeah. Um, yes. People know that's the old Caltex, isn't it? And and, yeah. and you drive – and it looks like something's happening as you're driving by. Oh, that's – there's been some sort of stuff going on there that I kind of like. Yeah, so that's we two, I think two years ago we opened that in the very start of um, yeah COVID Pandemic. lockdown, mm. so it has been um, tricky. But you know we made the site you know festoon lighting and a beautiful community mural that I commit commissioned um, in partnership with Elevate Alltech. So it's a, it's all about partnerships and connections as well, mm. which talks about the town centre identity for Autaki, which is small town, big heart. So that's on a big mural on the main highway and food truck hub and foodie. And we've run lots of different events and tried to support local storeholders, local operators and Mm -hmm. create a bit of a um, hub music. We had a big busking music program where we were paying musicians. You know, it's all those little Mm -hmm. things that give back and create um, a cool space. So, um, yeah, that's been a really awesome client that I sort of get to do the things I love with locally. Because, I mean, like the Main Street, Otaki was very much a bit of a shopping destination, but I think like all Main Street shops, you know, they, they go through ups and downs. or they go, And I think retail is a hard, hard thing these days when people can shop online. Def- definitely. And so what do you, with all your experience and your sort of insight and ability to come up with these ideas, you know, all of these Main Streets all over New Zealand, like bricks and mortar from top to bottom of the country – was yep. people who go in and they open their doors every day and they and they run their their shop. I mean, is 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 there like a direction that I mean, you just wonder how how they're going to all survive as town centre places? Yeah. Um. Oh, absolutely. And look, the strategy behind Autaki Yard was obviously that the um, transmission gully and the road was going to change, so that through traffic was going to go away. So okay. the reason for opening the yard was to try and support the retail on that strip. Yeah. So that there was a fun place, or maybe perhaps a reason why people get off the highway and go to the markets and have their lunch and food. That was the original strategy like you say and the re- ultimate placemaking isn't it and urban design yeah um it hasn't quite worked out 
um, how we plan, but that's a global pandemic for you. Um, mm, mm. In terms of your question around retail and strip, and the footprint has changed hugely, even in my career, in terms of what, say, when I say the retail footprint, like there'd be a portion made up of fashion, a portion made up of services, a portion made up of food that create either your town centre footprint or your shopping centre footprint. And so that shifted away from being maybe fashion. So there's obviously been a big shift in sort of consumerism and people trying to uh, do the right thing by the planet and purchase less, um, which has meant there's more services and experience base footprint in in those town centres and whether that, you know, one of the big ones that's blown up is, you know, beauty services and things like that, Um, health and wellbeing services, so they take up more of the space. so I feel Do like you mean in all sorts of shopping environments. Yeah, as a general, all sorts. That's the board, as a general the kind of stuff that's as a businesses that are operating. Trend, I would say that like you know, men's and women's fashion has shrunk down, and beauty services and other things have started to take up the footprint, and also right. food and dining is obviously. Um, blown up in the last five years as well you know people love going out and connecting through food and dining and and that experience um so I would say that like a retail strip town center that it's it's actually you really need to look at the customer experience and why people want to come into the physical retail space because you are competing with online but the reasons are you know you want a full sensory experience they want that personal connection with you and that knowledge want to go to town where they live and they want to go they want to take their girlfriend out and they want to touch and feel the fashion and they want to be made to feel a certain way and they want you know great music and and a, and a visual thing. So I think there's always going to be a place for bricks and mortar okay. retail. In terms of a mall or a brand new thing, or how do we activate these little individual shop strips I in think, terms of assuring that they have the best environment in which to run a prosperous business? I think working together, So and, and this is obviously and sometimes in those townships where the retailers are individual spaces and there's also individual landlords that own the properties there needs to be a lot more collaboration Mm -hmm. to try and work out what is our story you know what is and and all work together to try and move towards that and work as a as a unit instead of just focusing on inside your four walls of retail so that's what you need to do you need to somehow manage that Process. I think for the little town centres, yeah, you need to try and work collaboratively. And is that hard, or just if very. you've got the skills? You, oh, very. <laughs> I think it's very hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's what is really the the one way to approach it, is it? Or one of the few ways we can look yeah, towards well, some sort of success. You just need to keep elevating your your customer experience in that space if you're a retailer and how are you visually appealing to customers and how are you communicating your story to them and what is the experience like for them as they walk through but the what, door say like say like away. say like why can i for instance you've got all those strips of shops along the highway mm-hmm. and they're all opening their doors and working damn hard to provide what people want um so they're on their face in the highway, and obviously council's doing a lot of development around the street experience between the railway station yep. and crossing the road and so forth. And then we've got Mahara Place, and we've got all the wonderful little businesses on the offshoots down you know, those roads off Nio Road where all those indus- industries are serving people. So is there a place to sort of – I mean, I know for years, decades, people have tried to do this town centre thing around here and get people together. Yeah. Um, is I mean, is it, a stru- is it the physical thing, like as our architects and provisions of buildings, is, it, is there something wrong with the actual physical structure that makes it also doubly hard to create that experiential thing or what? I think sometimes the physical 
structure can be a barrier and that comes down to traffic flow and obviously here in Waikanae um, the council are doing up you know trying to improve connectivity to the train station and pedestrian access through to Mahara Place because they want that flow of people coming um, through to the retail but I guess it's then what's my reason as a consumer and a mum to go you know I pop in at Countdown or Joe and Joy the cafe down here and then what's what's going to draw me around with my two children around to the other end of Mahara Place where you say that main road this beautiful hairdressers out there and things like that and that's going to be things that potentially are um, place making things this okay. interesting new playground that I can just go around you know that's been done up or the markets are in a different spot and they're more around the corner um, I'm trying to, you know, there's something, some art pieces on the Or maybe some the actual pavement. built interventions from designers where they actually they actually just change the, the, f- the sort of 70s feel of the thing, which is there, which is a given. Yeah. It's wonderful. But if you just did some architectural kind of objects which people could move around and be kind of, kind of focus their kind of experience with, that can mean that you accept what you've got, but you can just do a few kind of changes with the odd and odd pavilion or something then you can change the whole dynamic of it oh definitely I, th- I think so and I mean it's even worth you know trialing you don't something doesn't yeah. have to be permanent yeah. like you say in terms of an architectural intervention something um you know that pops up and could be moved because you're like okay we got the site wrong you know and we've now we've spent ten thousand dollars on this pavilion that's in the wrong location yes so I oh, cool. feel like flexibility um, is is quite important, and that you... gives real ownership to the people as well, because they suddenly this this like this say for a poo, like you know you put up a sort of totem pole or something, which yep. is very simple to do, but then people are sort of focused on that place and they sit around it and they chat around it, and and then you know that your investment potentially, if you're doing something even more uh, sort of a greater, is really coming from that place of that it's actually working. That yep. space is what people really. Absolutely. They're getting something out of it. It's a place. pilot. You can pilot some new ideas, see if they work without the, the big investment of having to really build something major. And then if it does work, well, then you've got something to go off. And Fant- it's so interesting because the level. temporary pop-up also has like a really lively thing about it because people don't feel it's been done to them. They feel that they're actually they're part of informing the designers that this is working. It's work- We can actually influence what goes on here. Definitely. Definitely, and actually one of the projects um, that won an award in the placemaking was called The Engine Room, and it was a street in Porirua where they – it was a fully community-led project, but it did have funding from Waka Katahi, where the community changed the speed and they they literally changed the street through artwork and they changed – they slowed traffic down so it was more safe for children and they built, you know, planter boxes and different things out of the retail space. They painted these – pedestrian hubs and um, they called it the engine room because it was literally all of the people were leading it like you say it was that community came together with the design led ideas Mm -hmm. around how they were going to solve this problem Mm -hmm. and the problem was cars speeding down through their town centre community and near a school Um, and they they established the problem first they realised first of all what's the problem yeah, be open ended about that, not just sort of like a monolith. You know, well, we don't like the fact that the, ca- the the pavement's built with the wrong material. You know, it's actually yeah, looking yeah. at what the real, based on what you're saying, heart and community. Yeah, as a sort of end you. Yeah, and every community's got its own story, so there is a unique selling proposition. You know, every place has got its own. So that's beautiful in itself. Every community has its own story. I mean, that's the most amazing, effective kind of 
byline to start something with. Every yeah. community has its own story, and well, so the, un, people understand the word story, and they understand their own community. Yeah. So then you're starting to bring a common sort of line of, you know, a statement becomes very useful in so many different areas. Because yeah. so many people can hook into it from their own perspective. Absolutely, and everyone's got different skills to to bring and, and ideas to share, but I guess the hard thing is that people come from so many different angles that sometimes you don't land on the solution, and that's obviously, you know, I feel for councils in, in that space because they are trying to please, please everyone, but um, I've seen projects work well that have been facilitated and, and community-led. Um, you have seen, you know. You... I know it can work. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So... That's like, you know, that's so valuable. Mm. Having someone who who knows it can work, believes that the future is so many different options, definitely, and that you're passionate about. Or it's a bit of an overused word, passionate, but you're kind of really experienced from actually being able to do it, but also having that kind of intellectual idea about community and 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 that it's super valuable. Yeah, and I think it's the idea, like you say, having the idea, but then it's having, um, the, the hard part is bringing the idea to life, generally. And it's not like closing off opportunities. Like, you know, okay, we're going to have this pop-up thing, but then, you know, it all gets sort of hemmed in with, oh, we can only, it's limited by so many factors, rather than having that sort of sense of it being limitless. And if you've got the experience that you've got, there's a kind of respect there that, you know, we're, it's open-ended. We don't have to have an answer right now. How do you so, been solving problems is knowing that you, first of all, knowing what the problem is, but also not trying to sort of create an answer that's locking off opportunities. Yeah, definitely. You've got to remain op- open-minded. And sometimes what you think is the solution isn't the solution. Yeah. Um, and then being okay with that, like being okay to fail as well, especially. I mean, I've run so many activations um, that have not worked how we had hoped, but we learn you know, we learn, learned from those and, you know, there was investment that was down the down the drain, but we knew we'd do it better next time, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Placemaking, Aotearoa. Like, you've got your, your wonderful, I was, as I said, I thought we'd better, I'd better sort of say what is placemaking, what is, what is placemaking? And in their website, the placemaking website, it was just, oh, oh yes, I think they were saying it's, it's the process as well as the actual product. They were saying, how is the place considered? I'm just quoting from the website. How is the place considered? What is it asking for? How people in that place at that time are involved? And that the community gets to hear their voice, to see their stories. The biggest honour, one, one of the winners of the awards, one of these community, he was the biggest honour is to work on behalf of our community. And then Frith says, who's one of the founders, yeah, she's amazing. what we're trying to help with here is make a better future for all. And that's serious. That's serious work. Yeah. So I guess you've got to be it's, on board and want to do the serious work. Yeah, and it is serious, but it's like one small step at a time as well. You know, I mm. think, you know, there's small things that um, you can do in your community that, you know, you drive around even here and you see the little pop-up gardens or the little little um, the little the library books, you know, or Pika mm-hmm. Pika Road. There's yes, just that's little, right. Little people in the community have done small things that make a difference as well, you know, and it's all of those things culminate to, to make the um, place special I guess and I think like cafe owners back in the um, late 80s 90s 2000s you know they are just private and private business people 
who create these places because they've got they're financing it they're creating a space and they're doing it because they want people to come and have an experience and I guess um, they were doing it you know I mean I remember a big quote Ian Athfield who's unfortunately passed away that wonderful architect he said that cafes have done more for Wellington than we architects have ever had in 25 years. Yeah, wow. Understanding that, you know, it's, it's not just the building, it's, it's the place and, and the space yeah. between buildings. And cafes popped up everywhere as sort of an organic but a very much a business, uh, you know, a f- investment in, in, from their point of view in making places. Uh, absolutely. And the last project that I came off the back of on the Gold Coast was an immersive culinary marketplace called The Kitchens um, that we opened. It was a two-level... Um, and I'm not going to say people when they think about shopping centres and food and dining and they, they just think of food court or, you know. Yeah. So I had the tough job of trying to... Not be the food court. Uh, or sort of, but understand was, what people really want. I wasn't involved in any of the design work. Like, I did work with the leasing team a bit, but the concept was amazing um, for the kitchens and it was a bustling urban marketplace, a community epicentre where artisan chefs, providers... Once you created it. That, Once or, it was it wasn't open. there before. You created no, it. It okay. was built. It was nothing. Okay. okay. It was nothing there. It was a brand new precinct that we we opened. Um, yeah. Um, and so I led the development marketing for that food, you know, like you say about food and cafes and that big shift in trends um, of how important that was. Um, and I had, you know, the hard job of, cre- you know, telling people about all these amazing food stories. And we had very different tenants than what you would normally see in a. Um, shopping centre retail environment and do you mean the people who were actually opening them creating yep. having their individual businesses they yep. were sort of different expectations about how they wanted to present their product yeah and I mean even the way the architects designed that precinct there was no walls you know no intertenancy walls it okay. was all front of house was back of house chaos space intermingling staircases you know people would sort of work through this you know culinary marketplace and there was 33 different operators in that space from fresh food so you know butchery fresh produce right through to a hatted chef you know restaurant and a elixir bar cocktail bar you know all of the um different sort of ethnic food types were represented as well which which was amazing and bought Brought together so by how really do you go about getting all them? Is that part of your thing, marketing? De- the, no, no, that's the lease. The leasing team's okay, job, but they were very advertise- tough job. They knew the, who they wanted. They sort of they were putting it to a different. They knew of- the vision. Okay, okay. <laughs> they knew the vision of what that precinct would deliver, and then they had the job of finding the right people for the right usages to kind of make that culinary marketplace. Um, probably the most similar place to that in New Zealand is Riverside Markets in Christchurch. If you ever get the chance to go there, that's an amazing. Foodie hub and obviously Christchurch reinvented itself. But for the kitchens, it was my job to, as soon as we opened the doors on that new precinct, was to create um, activation and stories. And we had so many different things happening. We had a live cooking stage where we had, you know, chefs doing. Um, like some celebrity chef, but also like the local person mm. popping up and showing how they do cooking and people could just sit and learn about different culinary ways of doing things. Um, we had our own beehives. So we had a bee highway and we did bee education and we circulated the honey through all of the food tenancies. Wow. Um, you had beehives? Beehives on vacant land. And okay. then we had one show hive, which was teaching people about bees and the beekeeper would come in monthly and do the honey extraction live in front of 
people that wanted to learn about the importance of bees for the environment and then the honey was circulated back out into all of you those You mean the tenants. honey went to the coffee trees? Yep. Oh, yeah, it went to the patisserie. You, you know, they on, were you grew it, or you, you <laughs> grow honey, but you develop, you produce it on site somewhere on nearby, on site, yep. on site, and then the honey would be delivered to the cafes, yeah, an alternative sugar or, or whatever, or on their scones, or and it's just one of those examples of that full that's circular. That's like, that's like a factory kind. Well, some people like the idea of factory, you know, production. Yeah, well, I think it's more people like the idea of food transparency as well and they want to know where their food's coming from and they also want to know that they're supporting local and community and that it's going back in. And we had, um, you know, that was one way we could do do something for that. But we connected all of the tenants together and they all supplied each other. So it created that real food community between all of them that, you know, the fresh produce guy was supplying the restaurant upstairs with all of their fresh produce and the butcher was doing this and... Um, yeah, the, the butchery had a, you know, um, a lot of, um, you know, experiential things happening in the front window. Okay. Around around meat. Yeah. Which some people liked and some didn't. Yeah, but, that's but okay. still, some it people was... want to know. They want to. They they're interested in, in where, how their meat works. They're interested yeah, in what, where what it's come from, it. how yeah. they carve it, how they do. You know, okay. so it was just okay. a fully immersive precinct. Everything thing. you saw in terms of food preparation was done in front of your eyes, pretty much. You know, they could see people making their teppanyaki. They could see the patisserie was making his macarons in the cooking stage area, wow. and then they were on sale down at his kiosk. He doesn't love a macaron. I know. So good. Yeah, it was dangerous. So what were you – you were having to interpret these stories every day kind of like as an ongoing thing or right just from start-up and then it was – or, or continuing the stories as a going what? Yeah, so I worked the 12 months before the precinct opened to kind of bring all the brand – branding to life, the brand story to life, um, work with all of the tenants to get their, like you say, individual stories out there. And You did that? You were sort of working, working with, with teasing them. the stories out of them? Yep, working really closely with them to help them How interesting. do that, which was cool. Um, we had a lot of flexible pop-up spaces yep. with, um, we had like Piaggios and trikes and things that would food would be sold off the back of and they'd move to different spots in the precinct. Are these ideas that you were having to come up with as sort of op- options? Bring to life, yeah. Oh, okay. Branding, um, yeah. So it's not just branding, it's actually having things, actual things work being done, sort of stuff happening. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's a lot of project management and event coordination and, and other things. So that was um, a really busy role but very um, rewarding. And we, we had partnerships with like Oz Harvest and all of the food that food waste that, you know, we had refrigerated storage in the back of the precinct where they could come and take any food waste so that was being repurposed and put back into the community and just lots of good things happening that was very community centric in that okay. um, food precinct. Yeah. Community centric. I mean, that's it's so much the sort of concepts we want to be talking about, and you're sort of bringing it here to us here on Capital. <laughs> I think there's exper- lots of places community. in New Zealand that are doing a good job yeah. of it, um, in Christchurch as well. But it's it? lovely to have the conversation. You can never have too many conversations about no. it, can you? No, no, because people not. need to be sort of reinforced with these concepts time and time again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. There's you know lots you can lots you can do, and it's not as hard as <laughs> it's not as hard. It's just actually having. The skilled people who who have that sort of sense of how people are important in the process and committed to having a process where all of those multi the diversity of people can be part of it yeah and and there's nothing kind of left off I mean it's all allowed to be filtered through 
at whatever level. Yeah, and like I say, it's just going back to the small things. We had um, a lakeside dining precinct um, at the shopping centre I worked at on the Gold Coast, and it had this big concrete area, this big concrete void out there, and not not that close to the lake. And you know, we could see that people weren't really engaging with the space. And you know, we just popped up some bean bags, some beautiful bright umbrellas. Um, and some plants, planter boxes, something really simple, low budget. And people just, that whole space changed and we ended up calling it the sun deck. So it, it moved from being a concrete void of sort of nothingness happening to the sun deck where people would go out and, you know, get something take away from one of mm-hmm. the dining places and sit closer to the lake. So um, they're, 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 they're sort of there with people but that what people really want is to connect with nature to connect with the natural environment of the site where they go to the shops so it's linking those two things the commercial to the sort of the environmental features of that site definitely and then it it gave us a space to do some you know pop up some music every sunday afternoon so people had shade and they had seating and things like that so you could so doing that one thing generates all sorts of other ideas about about performance and yeah audiences being available for to make these things really pop sort of yeah definitely so once you start it's sort of you know activity creates activity once you do put something there then all these activities and you constantly yeah yeah I was at a, actually a placemaking workshop in the heart. It was um, for Greater Wellington, and I think it was in November last year, and they put up this YouTube video, and it was at a concert, and there was a group of people that were trying to watch this concert from outside the zone. And one one person got up and started dancing, and it was kind of like the, the flow-on effect. And all, eventually, by the end of it, all of these people were up dancing because that one person was brave enough to get up and you know, express themselves freely. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it sort of shows that flow and effect that people attract people and if one person is doing something and, and other people in the community really like that, then it sort of snowballs into something bigger. Yeah, I mean, we can even sort of feel it. Um, out here. I was a bit of a complainant of the potential new loos going off on the Green Triangle. But now that they're there, you know, once a building goes up, suddenly you you sort of notice the trees a bit more or, or, or you sort of notice that site a bit more. And, and with all the, um, obviously, you know, the, the um, infrastructure around doing the gallery is kind of a, a limit, but it still it means that something's happening. And I think then more people gather and pop around and sit outside on the yeah. outside of Mahara Place because something else is happening. Even that extra seating out there in Mahara Place now, like that just creates a bit more, a bit more vibe and like people, people are out there in the sun and things like that. I think there's there's room like you're talking about the pop-ups and you're talking about these these other you know the, the ex- pre-existing retail outlets in various places. I think there's room for some more experimental sort of pop-ups, eh? So that so that you know you're linking the the the, yep. people, the, the people who are passing by with those shops, but there's there's a place for them to sort of be galvanised. And I think there's room for that. I don't know how we go about it, but I was even thinking like you know with your skills, I mean. I know there's some people who own some of these properties around here who want to go up with like housing above around here in Mahara Place and have sort of apartments and residential mix and then those residents are going to come down yeah. to Mahara Place and they're going to do things. and Definitely. I mean, it's, that's the future, really. It's it just is, a matter of getting it, kicking it off. It is the future. And I mean, I think people living in, in town centres or that mixed-use areas that probably goes between commercial, residential and retail is the way it's it's going to be and people want that convenience of you know popping down and walking to the shops and things like that and 
staying in their little their little hub. So, and then it gives there's more people resident on, or and it gives um, there's more financial opportunity for little cultural events like a little like someone will start up a little theatre thing or they'll set up a dance teaching place or something because there is a, a greater the amount population of population yeah. yeah. So culture is sort of spurred by by more people but also just reigniting an existing empty space. I mean, Christchurch was like a textbook version of like you had these empty vacant lots after the earthquake and they started that, all those different amazing... Do it, with big timber pallets, creating a little sort of theatre, auditoriums, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And you were in, have you been in Christchurch recently? Yeah, I was, in, I was lucky enough to be in Christchurch. Um, mid last year, I took the kids down there, and it's just, I mean, they they have been able to reinvent because the physical structures have come down and it's obviously been challenging, but they've, you know, been able to reinvent what they want their place to be like, essentially, and how they rebuild that. And, I mean, wow, they're doing an amazing job down there. From it sounds like it's taken a different turn. For a while there, about three or four years ago, it was very much... Oh my gosh, the blueprint and the big, big corner. Every, every architect got a corner to do their thing on, and it was very sort of like from a very. But it sounds like it's almost gone revisited how it originally was, where people popping stuff up in vacant places, and that spirit sounds like from what from you and I've heard someone else say it's. Yeah, I think that you know there's a lot of placemaking happening down there in, in different ways, shape or form. I know at the moment there's their dancer mat where people dance on the squares that light up, and they're looking to relocate that, find funding to relocate that because they've had that running and they obviously had funding, and now it's not working in that space. And they're like, "Hey, we kind of like this as a city. We want to keep this." Um, cool thing going so I know that they're looking for funds to relocate that and that's just one sort of placemaking initiative but okay. then they've built you know the Margaret Mayhew playground and that's Where's that big actually? capital. Is that close to town? Yeah. Is it? Okay. Yeah it's just um, you know if you take the um, the tram around you can get off and just walk to so that. So it sounds like this, it's really starting to take off now in a more diverse way and, yeah. and with different people operating different things and and just their library, you know, the, the way they've done their library as well, you know, not the traditional right. library. It was actually a place I wanted to take my children into um, to have a look at because there was places to engage and learn things. It's sort of like museum mixed with co-working mm-hmm. space mixed with education and play, mm-hmm. um, their new library, and also there's great viewing off the top platforms and down there. Okay, so the, the library's new? Designed the, the building. There's a new library? Yeah, and it's and that's okay. what overlooks the cathedral. Okay, so that's mm. I haven't seen that. Okay, and and they've used really proper contemporary art concepts about library design and yeah, because it's not so much the books, is it so much because people can get information online. Yeah. So how so they've sort of solved somehow getting people into a library and keeping it relevant. Yeah, definitely. It's very an experience-based space where, you know, they the Lego zone and different things for kids and families and also history and culture, like you say, learning about that, but in a, um engaging... Immediate way. Yeah. I guess I merging... You, so it's really merging getting back onto its stride. digital and physical it. place. So that's one of the things that I love is seeing seamlessly where digital experiences merge into the physical place so as in like as in projection as in engage like interactive touch wall you know walls where I can you know my children learn something and they get to play and yeah 
so the digital is and, and the experience is is built in thing is happening to the because I'm thinking like you know we've seen these pictures of the elevations of the gallery and there's a sort of this big wrap around sort of white kind of canvas thing facing the carport I mean the car park yeah and that would be ideal to have like constant film going on mm. there you know like constant moving images going on there yeah um, and uh, yeah I don't know how they'll do that but yeah yeah oh well. Uh, you know, projection artists create something that you can then project that's themed. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, oh, so, but, but, I mean, as a sort of professional, when you walk into the library, you just saw it as a mum with two kids, or did you sort of like start to sort of take note because you know what they're doing? You would have some idea about what they what they about the intention around the design. Oh yeah, I mean, I probably understand more around the intention of the design and that and I don't really visit libraries traditionally they're not yeah. a place I take my children because my children are loud and libraries are boring they don't work for me uh-huh. you know the traditional model doesn't work for uh-huh. me and my family so so that was actually yeah. yeah gosh I'm so pleased to hear that Christchurch is really taken is turning you know starting to turn a corner and is really getting to grips with what you were saying which is building something up out of nothing and doing what you really want yeah, I think for a while there, it just got time. very bogged down with oh, you know, everyone's got to build up the commercial CBD, and it was all just traditional kind of commercial buildings on every corner. But yeah, they've really revalued what how it was at the very start with just individuals making things happen on vacant lots. Yep, definitely. And they're now sort of like solidifying that they kept the real essence of that amazing sort of public public kind of response, and they're now making sure they haven't lost it in terms of yeah. the newly physical developments. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, gosh, if only Cap- you know, Capiti. You know, we could. What did you say? Every place has its own story. I mean, Capiti is Pakakariki all the way to Pakapaka, and each of those places are all different. They're all part of Capiti, but I would just love to think that there was some overarching thing where, like, we're talking about Kuma Awards. If if Pakakariki and Ramadi South and Ramadi Beach and Paparam Beach and all the Otahanga Waikanae could all at one point all do our own thing in our own place and then sort of have a conversation about it. Yeah, I think there's such diverse little town centres and they've all got their own unique identity and it's just, you know, working on those. Celebrating, all of, like having a moment where we all celebrate them all together, have a little celebration of, and if each town does its own thing, you know, for the weekend or something. Oh, that, that, that's, a, that's a whole new thing. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> You're organising a festival now. <laughs> I'm just thinking, yeah, I mean, I guess, because everybody, everybody loves their place where they live, and they're all, everyone's always doing all these neat little sort of, con, you know, things, art things and craft things yeah. and concert things, and it'd be nice to have a sort of Capity Expo, you know, like, there you are, you could be organising. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you're more, you're more not so organising now, you're more just working with what, what's around, eh? Just what comes up and yeah. it's working at that I very mean, much like you don't have to be the overarching visionary or anything. It's just actually working with the raw material that's there. Yeah, I work with my clients to just help them bring to life what, what they need to, or inject the extra energy they need to deliver something Okay, cool. that's pretty cool. Inject um, the extra energy they need. Yeah. You know, it's, we're all resource time poor, aren't we? So yeah. I guess that's what I do now. I get to help bring certain things to life where they can't do it all internally themselves or yeah. okay okay so you can so that so they, they can see there's a value in having you as a consultant in there 
Well, well, I mean, I had like my clients. I hope feel that way. Yeah, yeah. So it's how did how did how do you how did you sort of promote it? I mean, it just sort of I guess one client you just sort of knew what you wanted to do, and then the jobs came along. Or yeah, through. pretty much just word of mouth, and you do a good job, and then people find you. I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the other thing is. Um, we're architect, architectural, we're building people. Mm-hmm. And so how much is it like the, the percentage of actually having these the sort of visionary about the place and the pop-up and actually having, working with the buildings as well to make sure that the buildings that we deliver are, are, making, are making sure that the places are available, that we're making these places with our buildings? Um, yeah, I think it's really important like when the architects are briefed to have that really strong vision of what a place is going to deliver um, written up. You know, when you start designing an area or a precinct or a building or what it, what it is, I just think that briefing process is so important so that you can do your job um, mm-hmm. to understand that, you know, we need these usages within the building but we need open frontages and sun, you know, sunlight and the way people move through. So you guys have got a tough job, eh? <laughs> but I love that. I feel I mean, like... It is about the brief. And yeah. for, for someone who you, under, you understand what a brief is, I mean, we just love brief, but it's you're understanding that that whole sort of initial written diet, the dialogue tool of the brief. And, and asking all those questions up front. And the collaborative des- design process and yeah. stakeholder engagement a- along that is, yeah. Because the first time you start thinking what my brief, you just know that if you write down or you're considering all of these, is it that's actually impacting the sort of thing you want at the end? So, you know, you're totally committed to that brief mm. because that's all the ideas, it's the sort of essence of what you feel about that place and the people's budget and what the people yeah. actually need. Um, and the available, yeah, within working within the budget, and so the yeah. brief is very much part of that. Just, yeah, definitely. I think the brief's really important, and then yeah, just being thinking about flexibility and how quickly humans change in terms of the usage of place is okay. the other thing. Okay. <laughs> and and you and you just sort of banded off a few classic. You know, we're talking about wind and sun or whatever you said. You know, when you're talking about the brief. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. And so that's, that's, that's just positioning yeah. flow. I think if, if, if like the listeners can understand that you know buildings are important, you're part of that world where buildings are uh, part of where buildings affect people, um, and then it's making those buildings respond to the excitement of making them respond to existing sun patterns and existing wind, particular climates, and how you protect people from that, but you also maximise the fresh air and yep. the warmth of the sun and and the views through to the immediate environment around you. Yeah, definitely. And then if we can, I think so that, so it's stepping from the architecture solid thing to just using the tools of the pop-up so that the public for once in their lives know that they have ownership and they're involved in what might happen and be built around them um, yeah, the next year or the next six months or whatever. Yeah. So I think if we can have more um, skilled people understanding who can push, push that whole pop-up interventionist mm. Piece of architecture, the temporariness of architecture, so that yeah. we can experiment with what works in that particular place. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I like experiment. Yeah, um, and so that's that's. I mean, it's just there's so much to talk about. There's so many layers of your work, from the big picture and Gold Coast back here to just the sort of what the day to day kind of things that are just slowly happening in the Kapiti Coast. Yeah, and having right. your eye on it and. 
Thank you for letting me share a few of my thoughts and ideas and um, experience. It's been really good. Oh, good. Um, yes, we've been speaking with Anna Colville-Smith, a marketing consultant extraordinaire who, who, who ranges across placemaking and buildings and, and people and community here at um, Local Architecture Now. Rosalind Darby, thank you. Time to get up that quick big of hope for a destination. This program is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.